today on Ag News Daily. And so that's what we built with AgVisor Pro. Welcome to the Tuesday edition, December 27th, 2022 on our countdown to the end of the year. Tanner Winterhop joined by Delaney Howell on this episode's edition. How are you doing, Delaney? I'm good, Tanner. Merry belated Christmas. Is that a thing to say? Like, yeah, I think Merry belated you can birthday. Wish, I was just going to say that if you can wish somebody a belated birthday, you ought to be able to wish them a Merry Christmas belated as well. I think so. Well, do you already have your Christmas tree taken down or do you let it stay oh, up no. to the end of the year? I'm going to let it stay up probably till the middle of January because I'm too lazy to take it down at this point. Oh, well, lazy is different than, I guess, just being extremely festive, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure the ornaments are coming off of ours today as we speak. We'll see what it looks like when I get home tonight. Yeah, I don't know. I like to usually keep it up until at least the end of the year, mostly because we're still kind of in the holiday season with maybe some people having later Christmases with families and the New Year's Eve and stuff like that. So I'll probably leave it up a little bit longer. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Hopefully everybody stayed safe. We tried to give them as much of a weather heads up as possible. Uh, not a lot today to report on weather-wise, except for the fact that we're looking at some warmer temperatures this week that may cause some melt of the snow that came prior to the Christmas holidays. We'll keep an eye on that, Delaney. Absolutely, Tanner, but we certainly had some cold conditions uh, for the past couple of but really the last week, almost leading up to Christmas time, Tanner, were you able to make all your travel plans? Yes, we did. Um, we did have some family coming down from Minnesota that stopped part of the way for an overnight stay in a hotel just to stay extra safe. But otherwise, everything was just fine. Delaney, I'm trying to keep track of a couple of headlines here as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. We'll see if I can hit a couple of these here in a row, and you may have some more information. So Ukrainian's inter- energy minister is fearful that New Year's Eve will bring attacks on their grid. So uh, the energy minister is warning that New Year's Eve could show and be results of maximum damage to their energy system. He was speaking on a Ukrainian television show stated that Ukraine was trying to use the time between Russian attacks to reduce their energy deficit by increasing electricity production and also increase the capacity to transmit that electricity. During the holidays, the risks of shelling could be higher, especially as we push the New Year holiday. He states here that the Russians have not refused to continue shelling on their energy system. They are tied to certain dates that have restrictions. Right now, he looks at New Year's as being one of such dates that they will try to cause maximum damage on that energy system. He's urging the Ukrainian government to take a look and see if they could mate some partial sanctions that Russia's put in place for some of these occupied territories. But then Delaney, Russia's warning the United States that we should stay out of the war and be less involved And this comes after a partial leak from the Pentagon. The UN said that nuclear war is back within the realm of possibility because of leaked conversations coming out of Pentagon officials. So uh, states here, U.S. military was telling Newsweek that back in September, a special operation to kill Putin in the heart of the Kremlin 
would become front and center among options being considered as the U.S. put in response to Putin's escalating nuclear rhetoric. Some unnamed officials from the Pentagon threatened to deliver a decapitation strike against the Kremlin, and now Russia's news agency has released this information. So that's where this is coming about, Delaney. It looks like right now the Russian embassy in Washington is stating that the so-called decapitation option was reckless and delusional and on Tuesday morning today accused the United States and NATO of seeking to defeat Russia on the battlefield in order to weaken and destroy its country, which now puts nuclear threat back up on the table as an option. The Russian not to strike first ideal is uh, no longer one of those of concern. So a lot of things came about, Delina. I don't know if you caught any of those as well. No, I hadn't seen that. I That's a big deal for that type of conversation to get leaked. I always wonder too, how does that actually happen? How does someone leak a conversation like that? Yeah, it just seems like if you have professional clearance and that is part of your job and it's an issue of national security that uh, you don't do that. Obviously, I would assume it means no longer a position of employment, but I guess if the check is large enough, you will leak the information. I guess that's uh, potentially the case. But the only other update here I have on the Russian Ukraine situation, Tanner, is that China is, or excuse me, Russia is continuing to try and limit Ukrainian grain exports and doing as much as they can to hold up the process, even though we saw, of course, back in November, an extension of the grain corridor agreement. The agreement requires that all ships entering Ukrainian ports be inspected by Russian inspectors, and they are certainly taking their time to inspect all of those facilities and ships coming into the ports. And they also have to inspect everything going out of the ports as well. So they get to check ships both directions. And at least a dozen inspections per day are needed for everything to function properly. But Russia has cut their inspection crews quite significantly, Tanner. They have less people staffing the area or staffing that uh inspection zone and Ukrainian reports that there are about 99 ships currently waiting at the queue and 27 ships loaded seeking to head out to their final destinations. And Russia is certainly dragging their feet to allow ships to get out of there, uh, those ports. So could be interesting to see how 2023 progresses. Yeah, it certainly seems like they know that that is a point of resistance and they're going to help drag their feet as much as possible. So thanks for bringing that into our listeners' ears. There is, however, a surprise coming out of the December hogs and pigs report. It looks like our breeding herds are starting to increase. So anyway, the de- despite analysis, analysis pre-report expectations, for the first time in two and a half years, the national swine breeding herd has seen a year-over-year increase. According to the December 1st USDA hogs and pig report, Based on producer responses to the USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service tallied, the U.S. swine breeding herd is up a half percent from a year earlier. This is a, this is different than the trade guesses of being down three-tenths of a percent. That 8.8 percentage point differences is just outside of the upper end of the range for the pre-report estimates, which had the breeding herd down 1%. Iowa State's University's Lee Schultz states whenever that is a 1% difference, it's considered a surprise. When you look at December 22, Delaney, through February 23, farrowing intentions 
of 2.947 million liters are up 1% from the December to February actual sows farrowing a year ago and 1.2 percentage points larger than the expected litters for that same time period. Even though we've seen an increase in sow slaughter, Delaney, and having high feed costs, Prop 12 uncertainty, questions are still going to loom around the demand for hogs, but this is interesting. For the first time in two and a half years, we're seeing the breeding herd expand. So I wonder what the true metrics are behind that and the drive within the sentiment of hog producers. Yeah, that's a good question and something we're definitely going to have to ask on a future Market Monday conversation, Tanner. But I want to take things here over to China for just a moment because we're continuing to see tensions rise between China, Taiwan, and the United States. China sent 71 warplanes and seven military ships toward Taiwan in a 24-hour period here over the weekend, which is the most activity that we've seen since August when it uh, previously established a temporary blockader on the island nation. China was protesting a passage by U.S. Congress of the omnibus spending bill that included $858 billion in defense spending, including $10 billion in accelerated military aid to Taiwan. And China certainly was not happy about that spending package that was pushed forward, Tanner, in the omnibus. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like... The headlines that we're getting today carry a lot of positive information outside of the hog story that I just reported on and this one that I'm going to report on here coming out of the Senate. But when it looks at foreign relations, it doesn't seem like the U.S. is doing a great job this holiday season. So jumping into this, our senators have confirmed the U.S. Ag Negotiator and USDA Food Safety Chief. So one of the final actions of the year the Senate voted on Thursday for nominations of Doug McCaleb as the chief agricultural negotiator at the U.S. Trade Office, and then Jose Esteban as the agricultural undersecretary for food safety. The Senate Ag Agricultural Committee chair, Deb, uh, stated here that the confirmation of the nominees who waited more than three months for this vote to happen was long overdue. It looks like there's a lot of excitement there as to the capabilities coming out of these two individuals and their professional backgrounds. Stated here during the hearing, McCaleb said, it is my duty to break down the barriers to U.S. food and ag exports and to press U.S. trading partners to live up to the existing agreements that are in place. He had spent three decades in federal government and was the director of White House Rural Council under President Obama. So he's had a, a variety of jobs in, within the USDA serving as a trade advisor to U.S. Secretary Tom, Secretary of Ag, Tom Vilsack. So good to see we've got some uh, experience there. Undersecretary for Food Safety Esteban is the chief scientist in the USDA's Meat and Inspection Service. He will now be the USDA's leader on issues ranging from the prevention of foodborne illnesses to the regulation of cell cultured meat now facing our politicians. So it's good to see we've got those two officially in their position is still any. But it did take quite a long time, Tanner. Yeah, I didn't realize it could wait three months. I figured if there was a nomination, it was just time to get them in their jobs so we could get to work. Well, that's never how Congress works, I suppose. They're never <laughs> fast at anything. Uh, nope. 
but taking things down here to Brazil, they are starting to switch administrations as well, Tanner, in the new year. We'll see uh, President-elect Lula take office after we saw Bolsonaro stepping out of office. And Brazil's government released an announcement today that they have reached an agreement with the incoming administration's transition team to an ex- to extend an exemption of federal taxes levied on fuel for 30 days. The tax exemption was initially set to end on December 31st, and now we will see an extension there by an additional 31 days, Tanner. And so that should help the incoming administration as they begin to find their footing once again. But also wanted to make a quick mention, we saw some pretty inclement weather going on in the Philippines. Uh, We saw really large flooding happening on Christmas Day, specifically as heavy rains in the southern Philippines caused a death toll now to rise to 13 total people, but total people forced to take evacuation on Christmas Day was over 45,000 people, Tanner, in the southern Philippines. I haven't seen any images on social media yet, but this article I was looking at here had a few of them. Uh, thrown into the article, and it certainly does not look like a pleasant Christmas day. So I'm going to consider ourselves lucky we just had snow and cold weather compared to the folks in the Philippines. Yeah, I'm also surprised that we haven't seen a lot of images surface uh, from that story. It'd be interesting to see if that was more of a surprise uh, as far as things are considered. Delaney, I've only got one last headline on this Tuesday edition. The Iowa Department of Natural Resources has been keeping tabs on some cattle feeders. The large, one of the large cattle feedlots in Iowa was just fined $2,000 for stream contamination. An employee of the third largest open feedlot in Iowa improperly pumped manure water onto their field this year that was applied to ground that was too saturated with rainwater to absorb the liquid, and it polluted a nearby stream. The Iowa Department of Natural Resources stated here, feedlot owner Brian Wendell of rural Wiley in Western Iowa has agreed to pay a $2,000 fine as part of the consequences. The report came from June 2022 that manure water was being pumped from his feedlot in was nearby a free flowing stream that goes into the Middle Raccoon River. This was done by an employee of Wendell's feedlot. He was in Tennessee at the time, but returned immediately to help contain the contamination by stopping the flow of manure into the stream using a constructed berm. The DNR noted that they did see elevated levels of ammonia and bacteria in the stream, but did not see any fish kill. He is permitted to have 20,000 head of cattle at his feedlot. He has a permitted basin to collect manure and water runoff that is periodically pumped onto the nearby field. Since the June incident, Wendell has increased the amount of vegetation in that growth via cover crops or in that field growing via cover crops to help comply with the DNR's restrictions. Under the recent agreement now, he will pay this fine and develop better operating procedures to pump manure from that basin in the future. Sounds like Delaney, just a little miscommunication between an owner and his employee, but ultimately glad to see that the DNR has reached a resolution and obviously it is good for us to let our listeners know if you are pumping manure this winter to contact the DNR first so you don't end up in a position that may result in a fine. Absolutely, Tanner. Good reminder there for folks as they are wrapping up 2022. But Tanner, I tell you what, as we wrap up 2022, we saw soybeans surge back above $15 this morning. 
And we certainly saw over the weekend here spotty and disappointing rainfall in several places in Argentina pushed the corn markets higher this morning as well as soybeans. And we are seeing sharply stronger trade this morning after the holiday weekend. So what do you say we dive in here? Let's take a look. Well, March corn this morning up seven and a quarter cent here at the midday at 673 and a half. New crop corn up four pennies on the day, trading right at 605. January soybeans up 20 and a quarter cent this morning, trading right now, right at that $14.99, $15 mark. Whereas new crop November soybeans are trading up eight and a quarter cent at 14.01 and three quarters. Wheat this morning is also surging higher as March hard red winter wheat is up 13 cents on the morning at 8.88. And as we flip things over to take a look at the livestock markets, we're seeing some mixed trade. February live cattle down 37 cents at the midday at 157.37. January feeder is down $1.30 at a buck 82.70. And lean hogs trending higher this morning in the February contract up $2.40 at 90.17 and a half. Now, Tanner, today is Tech Tuesday. We've got a Good short conversation here that you recorded for us. Tell us uh, who we're talking to for today. Yeah, we have Robert Syke of AgVisor Pro. Robert's got a lot of experience on the tech side of agriculture. So we just tipped into the surface of this conversation. And uh, here we go. All right, listeners, we've got Robert Syke here. He is the founder and CEO of AgVisor Pro. Listeners, we've had him on the Farm for Profit podcast. Can't wait for you to find out and learn more about what they've got going on. But for you today, Ag News Daily listeners, welcome, Robert. Thanks a lot for having me on Ag, Ag Daily News. Um, so AgVisor Pro, just to give you kind of an overview, is uh, an unbiased and agnostic connectivity platform for agriculture. So what I'm looking for is uh, to build a higher level of discourse around the issues that farmers and agriculturalists are facing. And so that's what we've built with AgVisor Pro. And it's digitally based, correct? I can, I can use this program, this web, this app, this website from anywhere around the world, right? Right. So it uh, is uh, mobile-based, so you download it, AgVisor Pro on iOS and Android. Um, takes about 90 seconds to get on the platform. And then the questions that you could follow or the questions that you could post are anonymous. So nobody wants to look stupid. So you can post whatever question you want. Uh, it is geotagged, so we know that it came from Kentucky or wherever. And uh, that question uses an algorithm. We shoot it up to experts, either company or independent experts, who respond to the question. And then you're able to connect with those experts and go for a deeper dive into their expertise. Uh, all of the connections are made in the app, the scheduling, the texting, the high-resolution picture, video sharing, the audio and video calls. And then you can follow. Uh, every, you can follow the topics. You can follow the experts. You can search the experts by geography or by uh, subcategory. Uh, there's a digital uh, marketplace for digital services, and there's communities. So if you wanted to follow regenerative ag or you wanted to follow precision ag, those communities are there for you to follow. And uh, we are building something very, very unique for agriculture. Now, you said experts. Is this like any chat room that we see Ag Talk, or are they vetted to come on and give me good answers? 
Yeah, all of the experts are vetted. So the independent experts are vetted prior to coming on. There's also a rating system. So like Uber drivers, you get the rating system that rises the cream to the crop. The companies themselves put their reps on and they vet the reps. And eventually we'll have verified farmers as well, because I believe that in many cases, the best experts to answer another farmer's question is another farmer. Uh, so we're moving in that uh, direction with all three of those types of expert levels. I hadn't thought about that before, but you're right. We learn from a lot of farmers on this podcast and a lot of our listeners that could be deemed as experts themselves just through their years of experience doing a certain practice and and their full-on study of what they have going on. So this is exciting because we can reach experts from around the country, but can we get more than just advice through this platform? Yeah, you sure can. Because in the uh, virtual marketplace or the virtual farmer's marketplace, for example, you could uh, connect with somebody who could do a cleanup of your combine yield data. So uh, that, that's a real problem to try to get your, your combine yield data all cleaned up and, and synchronized. Another thing you could do is you could uh, contact drone people and understand about drone regulations on the platform. We've got greenhouse people helping you with uh, diseases in your greenhouse. We've got irrigation people. So there's all kinds of services, advice uh, that you can access on AgVisor Pro. And all of the companies that are there featured there, like I don't need to talk to my rep if I'm in a panic, I just need to talk to a rep yes. from the company, and we've made it really easy for you guys to find that. That's good. So for a listener that's hearing it right now for the first time ever, what else would you like to share with them about AgVisor Pro? Well, I, I think that you know when it comes down to farmers making decision and adopting new technology or new practice, the, the hesitancy comes because you just simply don't know. If you're going to move to a new practice or new technology, there's one thing that you need, and that one thing is confidence. And very often, that confidence comes from talking to an expert or somebody who's been there, done that. And in many cases, the farmers simply don't know who that expert is. We can connect you to those experts in literally seconds. Yeah, that's great. Robert, I appreciate you taking a couple of moments to share with our listeners here about AgVisor Pro. If you guys are more curious about what he has to say and his background, tune in next week on Monday to the Farm for Profit podcast where Robert spends 45 minutes chatting with us, reflecting on some of the best advice he's ever been given and some of the best advice our podcast guests have received themselves. Robert, if they want to find out more about AgVisor Pro, how do they find you guys? Yeah, they can search the web for Ag, AG, Visor, V-I-S-O-R, Pro, AgVisor Pro, or simply download the app on iOS or Android. Uh, takes about 90 seconds. Search my name, S-A-I-K. Uh, I'll show up and then hit me in the chat and boom, we're connected. I'd love to talk to you guys. Awesome. Thank you again. We appreciate you taking the time. Well, Delaney, it was fun having a conversation with him. For full disclosure, I did spend about 45 minutes recording an episode with him on the Farm for Profit podcast. So as we alluded to in that audio, if you want a deeper understanding of what they're doing at Third AgVisor Pro, tune in next Monday, just a less than a week away to that conversation coming out with Robert. 
Fantastic, Tanner. That will be a great conversation to catch on the Farm for Profit podcast, but we're going to have other great conversations this week on the Ag News Daily podcast. Be sure to check us out also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. 